Hello, this is my name, and you know me from what you're known from, and you're listening to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. That was a good uh, first... Uh... That didn't fly, darling. <laughs> oh, all right. All right. For real, you ready? Okay, yeah. Hello, this is John Billingsley. And Benita Friderisi. And you know me from, oh golly, Star Trek Enterprise? And you know me from Chuck. And you're listening to the Sci-Fi Diner podcast period end of sentence you're listening to the sci-fi diner podcast serving the latest news in sci-fi multimedia and now your hosts scott and miles your table is ready it's long and busted this is the capital. We have a little problem with our entry sequence, so we may experience some slight turbulence and then explode. I got a bad feeling about this. Walter, put the cow away, would you? What is this place? It's a freak show. Welcome to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. This is episode 172, part A. I'm one of your hosts, Scott Hertzog. And hello, I'm Miles P. McLaughlin. And we are back here tonight to talk about all sorts of sci-fi goodness. Lots of it to talk about tonight. Yeah, you know what? And we are missing someone tonight. I know. Um, the show just, it's, it's extra special when it has a female presence. That's right. And so M, M was going to join us, and she's speaking somewhere at an engagement, um, I think having to do with her uh, cause mm-hmm. that she's kind of rallying for. So we are missing her tonight. But to be honest, a lot of the news stories that I put in there came from her. So she, her presence will still be felt, and you'll still hear her voice there with the little introductions. Um, but it was not quite the same as having her on. But she'll be on again. But, Don't worry about and, it. And, 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 and in that respect, she's not totally gone. No, no. Mm-hmm. So she's here in spirit. Absolutely. <laughs> All right, Miles. How you been, man? Uh, pretty good. Uh, my wife and I saw Iron Man last Saturday. Ooh, and uh, yeah, we loved it. It was very, we enjoyed it. You will have to tell all once we hit the listener feedback show, sure. which we are going to be releasing before this. But um, so yeah, very good. you enjoyed it. We saw Iron Man, and uh, we also let's see. I've I've watching the shows. We're, we're all currently enjoying um, Arrow, uh, Revolution, uh, Defiance. And Warehouse 13. Warehouse 13 still is fantastic. Um, reading a new Star Trek novel called um, Folded Worlds. I just put that on the, on the Kindle Very good. last week. So, yeah, that's what's going on my sci-fi world. Nice, nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, me, uh, I finished Ac- Atlas Shrugged. I understand why it didn't do so well in the theaters, but I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. We'll talk a little bit more about that in the listener feedback show. Um, also watched John Carter Mars. I enjoyed it. Um, worth the rental? Uh, worth the rental. Mm-hmm. Worth the rental. Um, I'm watching Warehouse 13. I'm watching Arrow. And still not watching Defiance, but that may go on. Arrow has a finale tomorrow night, so this episode will air probably. You might be listening to it after that happens, but... Um, after the finale, I will have one slot open. So, well, I, I think defiance, so defiance might be a good fill for that slot. I think it will. Yeah, yeah. I know five episodes to catch up on, but mm-hmm. I'm hearing a lot of good things about it. It's either that or Orphan Black's the other one that's kind of in contention. But I mean, yeah, I don't we'll have, see. I, I would like to see Orphan Black. Uh, I'm not sure when I'll get to see that. I mean, yeah. So, so 
Who knows? Yeah. But uh, some good sci-fi out there nonetheless. Oh, sure. Um, I am reading Life After Life by Kate Atkinson. Mm -hmm. Now, this is a speculative fiction novel Mm -hmm. in that it's not real sci-fi. It's not fantasy per se, but the premise is this girl, it starts out with this girl killing Hitler, right? Hmm. And then her life reboots. And here's the story of her life. Every time she lives her life to a certain point and then dies, and then she lives her life again to that point, and she doesn't necessarily realize that she's really living her life again, mm-hmm. but but she she has a an urgency or a uh, an overwhelming sense of dread or fear when she gets to that moment that it causes her to make a different decision. Oh, um, and then she lives a little bit further and then dies and kind of reboots again. And so this is it's kind of a Groundhog Day, but it's not exactly like Groundhog Day. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of like it. I'm enjoying it. It's an interesting premise. Yeah. So that's a book that I'm into right now. And mm-hmm. so I finished Terry Brooks' Bloodfire Quest. I may have done that the last time. And obviously Game of Thrones is in the past. And, mm-hmm. you know, very good. Interesting. And here's tonight's menu. Well, Miles, we have a menu tonight. Let's stop talking about what's going on in our world. Let's find out what's going on in the sci-fi world. And there is... A heck of a lot. In fact, so much that we split this episode up into two parts. Tell us what is on our menu tonight. Well, in TV news, we'll be spending a lot of time there because there's, there's a lot to talk about. Uh, so we have some Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. news and a teaser. Uh, we have some good news for fans. Once Upon a Time, that, that's that been renewed. Defiance has been renewed. War from Black has been renewed. Uh, so we have some new shows also coming down the pike. Uh, Almost Human, uh, an old favorite, 24 is coming back. Uh, some some new shows talk about uh, uh, Believe and uh, The Blacklist. And in this week's twist, uh, there's these, these Star Trek debit cards you can get get a hold of. And uh, someone suggested 10 missed opportunities in Star Trek. And this, this came on last week, um, but there's an Audi commercial with Zachary Quinto and Larry Nimoy. And it was play. awesome. We, 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 if, in case you, you haven't heard it yet, we're going to play it for you because... It just it, it's fantastic. Yeah, if you were on our Facebook fan page, you saw this already. But it's it's just fun. Mm-hmm. It's definitely fun, and it plays homage to so many different things in it. Oh yeah, uh, which I absolutely love. And what's on our sci-fi five and five? Uh, we're going to talk about five shows we think have potential and might make it. Yeah, and we're looking especially fall two thousand thirteen shows. Here. Right, uh, maybe summer, but future shows that we think have the potential, and we're going to give our reasons why we think they have the potential. These are our top five that are coming mm-hmm. out. And that's it. And then we have our interview, of course, mm-hmm. with uh, Stranger Things that will be appearing in the second part of the episode. Right. Is it Stranger Things? No, Strange, Strange Frame. Frame. Yes. Strange Frame. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it's a movie that debuted at Dragon Con last year um, with interesting premise and some very interesting a- animation. So Right. Very stylistic. Stylistic. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so if you're into animation... Or anime, you might you, you might really enjoy this. So, and uh, we also have a new trivia question this week, which we'll be asking shortly. Oh yeah, that's that's gonna be awesome. In fact, shortly, let's ask it now. Why not? So, you call yourself a geek and a nerd? Prove it. Prove your geek cred by answering challenging trivia and entering for a chance to win some awesome prizes. So we're, this is the new trivia question, and we'll give you till middle of June. Um, so what, this week's question, since uh, Star Trek Into Darkness is going to be opening, um, as we're talking about the, this week, um, we're, we'll ask you, who was the first captain of the Constitution-class starship USS Enterprise? 
So the first one. The first the first captain, yes. Yeah, not not the one in movies. Not the one in the movies, no. <laughs> all right, all right, right. At least not in the one in movies. Uh, and so uh, and there's a code word. Did you give them the code word already? Code word is dilithium. Right, right. And the answer is? You have to tell us. Yeah, you have to tell us. Mm-hmm. Um, and if they win this, what, what, what do they get? Well, with uh, Into Darkness coming out, um, we thought it would be great it, it, to give the winner um, – the uh, Countdown to Darkness comic book series that, that has been out. Um, and, and does that kind of lead us up to Into Darkness? It does lead us right up to, to, to the movie, yes. Very good. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So there's four comic books there. I think I think whoever gets it will enjoy it. I'm going to try. I'm going to try for that prize. You can't, Scott. That's, <laughs> yeah, uh, conflict of interest. Very, yes. Yeah, now, you, yeah. now, this is not, this is one that IMDb will not help them. Is that right? No, IMDb will probably will not help them. You're going to have to do a little more work if... If you watch the animated series, you should be able to catch it. Ooh, if you read, that's a hint. Got it. If you read any Star Trek novels or if you read any of Gene Roddenberry's n- notes before the show debuted. Uh, but it, it, it's it's I, it, I think it's pretty much considered a canon character. So, so you, like Die Hard. You have to be a Die Hard You track. have to be a little more of a Die Hard Star Trek fan to just to know this off the top of your head. But if you do a little homework... You should be able so to. So we're, we're testing their diehardness, if that's a word. IMDb should, will probably not be any help yeah, to you. Yeah, yeah. So you you really need to know your stuff. If they own the Trek trivia thing that you have that we have here that we never did anything with, okay, would they, would they be able to answer? I'm not sure. You're not sure. Right? I'm not sure. Yeah. All right, right. All right. Well, Miles, thank you so much for giving us this trivia. And again, you have till the middle of June to try and answer that trivia question and get those four comic books. Mm-hmm. So if you don't get enough Star Trek when you go out to watch it. You have four more comic books to help you out. Uh, well, let's move into our first promo tonight. Our first promo is a good friend of ours, Jim Arrowwood, who puts out a blog. And boy, we're going to be hearing from him in the listener feedback show. Uh, but, uh, you know, very, uh, so some very intellectually, uh, intellectual thoughts, mm-hmm. a well thought out man uh, about sci fi. Um, Movies and television shows he's watching, and uh, books guy, he's reading. Yeah, a guy whose opinion I respect very much. So, if you're looking for something good to read, kind of in the middle of the week, or you know, for you know, maybe a break at work or and in your evenings, uh, check out Jim's Sci-Fi Blog. When you don't read Jim's Sci-Fi Blog, you are uninformed of the science fiction world. When you are uninformed about the science fiction world, you go to the cantina. When you go to the cantina, you meet attractive Cylon women who want to take you to outer space. Wondered when you'd get here. When Cylon women take you to outer space, you have to run for your life. When you run for your life, you trip on a tribble and sprain your wrist. When you sprain your wrist, you get medical attention from a doctor named Walter Bishop. I had a fruit cocktail once. Don't seek medical attention from a doctor named Walter Bishop. Assimilate JimSciFiBlog.com. Resistance is futile. For your first course, the latest in the universe of science fiction multimedia. Miles, we have some TV news. Let's jet into that. Do you want to take this first one here? I would love to, because I'm really looking forward to this. Oh, yes, you are. So Joss Whedon's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. will bring Marvel Universe to TV. 
Um, to the surprise of no one, ABC has confirmed that Joss Whedon's Agents of the Shield has been picked up to series from Marvel Studios. Bring the cinematic Marvel Universe to the television for the first time, and Clark Gregg's agent Phil Coulson back to life in the process. Whedon, who wrote and directed last year's Marvel's The Avengers, in which Coulson was killed, directed and co-wrote the pilot episode along with Jed Whedon and, and Marissa uh, Tankerin, his collaborators from both uh, Dr. Horrible's sing-along blog and the short-lived uh, Dollhouse series. The two will act as showrunners for the new, sh- new series. The official ABC description of the series goes like this. Clark Gregg reprises his role as Agent Phil Coulson for Marvel's feature films as he assembles a small, highly selected group of agents from the worldwide law enforcement organization known as S.H.I.E.L.D. Together, they investigate the new, the strange, and the unknown across the globe, protecting the ordinary from extraordinary. Coulson's team consists of Agent Grant Ward, uh, played by Brad Dalton, highly trained in combat and espionage, Agent uh, Melinda May, um, Ming-Na Wen, expert pilot and martial artist, Agent Leo Fitz, um, played by uh, Ian D. D uh, Castaker, a brilliant engineer, and Agent Gemma Simmons, played by Elizabeth Henstridge, a genius biochemist. Join them on their journey into a mysterious is a new recruit and computer hacker, uh, Sky, played by Chloe Bennett. From executive producers uh, Joss Whedon, uh, Marvel's Avengers and Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Jen Whedon and, Mar- and Marissa Tankerin, Marvel Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. pilot, pilot co-writers uh, from Dollhouse and Dr. Horrible Singalong Blog. It's produced by ABC Studios and Marvel Television. The first promo for Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., the ABC television show about the comic book universe, espionage, and law enforcement agency has surfaced online. Um, so we'll, we'll play a, we'll play play a clip. little mm-hmm. clip of that. You know what? You know what? Before we play that, what, what has me a little bit is we loved – you know, Dr. Horrible's sing-along blog. Mm-hmm. And you and I were both kind of fans of Dollhouse, although we acknowledged it had some issues. Uh, but it's neat to see Jed and Marissa, Marissa, you know, kind of take lead as showrunners in this. Right. And uh, to have Joss Whedon's stamp of approval, people that know Joss Whedon, this is right there. Uh, I think that I think that it's a potential right off the bat. I just agree. To be, mm-hmm. Just to be something more. Mm-hmm. Uh, but let's go ahead and play the trailer, and then let's chat about it just a little bit. We work the cases that S.H.I.E.L.D. hasn't classified. The strange, the unknown. It's not just spy versus spy anymore. The whole world's in on the action. Don't touch Lola. Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. coming to ABC. So so let's chat about this a little bit. First of all, they intersperse some footage from Avengers, right? Right. So you see like Thor's hammer, you see Hawk's face, you see mm-hmm. Captain America's shield. There's there's a lot of there's a lot of tie-in. Mm-hmm. And that's obviously intentional. Uh, and they had the guy that was killed off heading it. So it's kind of a prequel series. Is it a prequel series or is it um I thought maybe they kept his death uh, classified. I would, I would Okay. So I I just assumed it it would it would um you know, just start from after Avengers edit or something like that. But that's a good question. That is a good question. Um, yeah, it doesn't uh, it doesn't really say here. I guess in the uh, that he, that it's a prequel or not. Can I see but, back from the dead? Yeah, back from the dead. Unless maybe it's uh, yeah, maybe that's maybe that's his superpower he has. I guess. Maybe. Um, so we see a couple new heroes here. Or we assume they're heroes. We see the guy jumping out of the building. We mm-hmm. see the the guy in fire. 
Uh, we see Lola. Well, that's his car. Uh, <laughs> um, and uh, who else do we see here? We see the guy throwing the guy down. And Yeah, there was a woman rolling away from some sort of explosion. Right. So, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of things that we don't know yet, mm-hmm. but it's a teaser. And it yeah. looks interesting. And... Uh, I'm definitely there for definitely for the pilot. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, they do say it's not exactly Marvel's first TV series. The animated side of the company has been running Ultimate Spider-Man and Avengers: Earth's Mightiest Heroes on Disney X, XD for some time. With the latter show about to be replaced with a more movie-friendly Avengers Assemble and Hawk and the Agents of Smash series. Hmm. So, I mean, there is some animation going on in there, but mm-hmm. but so look, looking forward. To, so, you're looking forward to Shield? Oh yeah, I think I, I, I am. I'm, I'm, I'm there. I'm definitely going to be there for the pilot. Yeah, yep. very good. Well, Once Upon a Time was renewed for season three. I wasn't sure because this season, they kind of rebooted themselves this season now that they kind of brought the two worlds together. And mm-hmm. But this season ended up real well. We're going to talk about this season's finale in the listener feedback show. But Once Upon a Time, for you fans out there, was renewed. ABC said, we like this. For a third season, the sophomore series has fluctuated between ratings high of 3.9 in the 18 to 49 demo and lows of 2.1. But once upon a time, it was always considered a safe bet for renewal. ABC is also working on the Wonderland-focused spinoff that would likely feature a Barbara Hershey as Cora, the Queen of Hearts. The spin-off will reportedly focus on Alice, Sophie Lowe, who has a generous heart but carries the scars of a long, hard life. Um, so that was kind of some of the people tweeted, mm-hmm. uh, and we aren't going to read those tweets, but I'll put them in the show notes about how excited they were when they heard the news. But I think this is a good bet for ABC and is is a solid staple, and they aren't losing anything by bringing this back for a third season. No, I don't think they are either. It sounds like for a full run, too. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think Raul and Wayne Henderson are going to be very happy about that, and many other people that I didn't mention here that also like their show. Uh, At the last con, I met a lot of people who were into Once Upon a Time. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Once Upon a Time is not the only one that was set for renewal. Yeah, I'm happy about this. Um, So Sci-Fi's Defiance renewed for season two. The show that I am not watching but need to watch. So it's a massive financial investment, and solid ratings have led to a second renewal for Sci-Fi's Defiance, which has received a 13-episode order. Season two of the show, produced for Universal Cable Productions, will begin production in Toronto in August for a 2014 premiere, returning as an anchor of Sci-Fi's powerful Monday block. Defiance was developed as a partnership between Sci-Fi and Tryon Worlds as a convergence of television and online gaming. Here's the official release. To date, the game has garnered more than 1 million registered accounts while making gaming history as their first online open-world shooter to launch on three platforms simultaneously. As a collaboration between shows and game continue into the second season, players will have the opportunity to further influence the world of Defiance. Kevin Murphy, Desperate Housewives, and Capra Hellcats resumes his role as executive producer and showrunner. And Smallville's Darren Swimmer, Todd Slavkin, return as executive producers for season two, and Michael Taylor serve as a consulting producer. Bringing the ritual defiance to life has been an incredible team effort. Um, Set in the future, Defiance features an exotically transformed planet Earth, its landscapes permanently altered following the sudden and tumultuous arrival of seven unique alien races. In this somewhat unknown and unpredictable landscape, the richly diverse, newly formed civilization of humans and aliens must learn to coexist peacefully. Each week, viewers follow an immersive character drama set in the boomtown of Defiance, which sits atop the ruins of St. Louis, St. Louis, Missouri. While in the game, players will experience a new frontier of the San Francisco Bay Area. The audience for 
for its April 15th premiere was the second largest series premiere and then it works history among adults 18 to 49 making it the biggest in nearly nine years in the coveted demographic based on on the live plus seven data the premiere also delivered almost four million viewers and has quickly become sci-fi's highest rated original series this year in adults 18 to 49 and 25 to 40 54 uh, total viewers. It has also received unprecedented attention as a transmedia event in partnership with Tryon World's MMO game. Aaron Mondays at, at 9, 9 p.m., Defiant Stars, Grant Bowler, Julie Benz, Stephanie Leonidas, uh, Tom Curran, Jamie Murray, Graham Greene, and, and Mia Kirshner. Uh, thank you for reading that very long news story about Defiance. You know, there's a couple things that stick out to me. First of all, one million accounts. Yeah. That's at about $15 a pop. Now, I'm no math, but that's that's like $15 million is bringing in just in accounts. And that's, if it's a month, is it anything like the monthly subscription fees? And not, a, it's not pay, if it's not free to play, mm-hmm. if it's monthly subscription, you're looking at that's, that's, that's revenue is bringing in monthly for them, sure. assuming all those accounts are active, mm-hmm. right? So that's a, that's a heck of a lot of change. So that, along with their viewers, probably influenced this decision to renew. Yeah, I, I, this was a smart marketed thing going to, going with a, you know the live action show and, and the gaming part. I mean, I, I think that's worked extremely well for them. Yeah, absolutely. And you're continuing to enjoy the show. I'm continuing. Yes, the show's great. Mm-hmm. It is what a Ted episode arc is. It Ted or thirteen? I'm not 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 sure about that. Uh, listeners will let us know. But they, yes. <laughs> yeah, they'll let us know. It. Mm-hmm. But Defiance, um, they banged on. In fact, you know, when, when, when they said the line that it was their second biggest opening in seven or nine years, I could have told you then that they were probably going to renew mm-hmm. when you get so unless unless it dropped, unless the follow up dropped off that badly that they weren't going to do it. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I, I had a feeling they, they would renew it. It just it started strong and it's maintained that. Very good, very good. Well, it's a show that I definitely have got to check out. And, um, you know, man, we have two uh, post-apocalyptic shows, uh, Revolution being renewed and mm-hmm. now, now this. So, Orphan Black was also renewed uh, for season two in 214. Thanks to Redu for kind of pointing this out. Thank you. We're thrilled to announce that BBC America's Supernatural Saturday thriller Orphan Black will be returning for a second season in 2014. From the official press release, BBC America's renewed a highly acclaimed original series Orphan Black for the second season to return as part of Supernatural Saturday in 2014. The conspiracy clone thriller starring... Uh, Tatiana Maslani has been recommissioned with a 10-episode order from the Temple Street Productions ahead of its season one finale on Saturday, June 1st. In making the announcement, Perry Simon, general manager of Channel's BBC Worldwide America, said... Uh, Tatiana uh, Maslani has delivered one of this year's standout performances. We're excited to commission a second season from the talented team at Graham, John, and Temple Street Productions. We can't wait to see who Tatiana shows up as in season two. We're delighted with the second season order of Orphan Black and want to think that everyone else at BBC America is too. BBC Worldwide and Space for the support and commitment to our show, commented Dave uh, Fortier. And 
Ivan Schneebird, I think it is, executive producers of Orphan Black and co-presidents of Temple Street Productions. We're thrilled to continue this journey with such a strong team and fantastic cast, led by the ridiculously talented Tatiana Maslany. It sounds like she's pretty central into this show's success. That's what they're, they're saying. Well, I guess mm-hmm. if she's a clone, she keeps playing herself again. And well, again. and probably multiple uh, characters, too. Yeah, yeah. So I think, I think I mean, that's, that's part of the... Yeah. The thing is, there, there's... She's... Sort of experiences up. Yeah. So this is so. Here's the deal. They do have uh, the cast includes beyond her Maria Doyle Kennedy from Downtown Abbey, uh, Downtown Abbey, uh, Dexter, uh, John and J- Jordan uh, Gavaris from The Grassy and Unnatural History, Dylan Bruce as the world turns and unstoppable as the world turns. Miles, I know that's your favorite show, but uh, Kevin Hanshard from The Listener and Take the Lead, and Michael Mando from Make Your Move and The Colony. The Colony, I think, was a sci-fi show, wasn't it? Sounds sci-fi. It sounds sci-fi. Yeah, I don't yeah. know if it was or not. <laughs> so uh, this show launched on May th- March 30th with Sarah, an outsider orphan whose life changes dramatically after witnessing the suicide of a woman who looks just like her. And she finds out clones are everywhere. There's clones. You know, it's, it's nice to see that we have a good cloning show that's actually doing something with itself. Yeah, that, that we haven't seen in some time. And this is something I, I, I would like to check out, too. Hopefully they'll – I mean, I don't know – it's on demand on Comcast. I'll hopefully keep all the episodes for a little while so I can check it out. Yeah, for me it's a time thing, but maybe mm-hmm. maybe this summer. Mm-hmm. We shall see. We shall see. Um, well, um, we have a little bit of news, and I'll let you read this about uh, Almost Human, right? Sure. But let me just say this. Fox has had a pretty terrible year. They've they've lost their ratings overall have fallen twenty percent this past year. That's huge, and so that's a big thing. So they're looking to kind of shake things up, and um, and what a better way to do it than to bring in Almost Human? Tell us a little bit about it. So Almost Human is um, is produced by Bonanza Productions, association with Bad Robot Productions and Warner Brothers Television, from writer executive producer J H Wyman and executive producers J J Abrams and, and Brian Burke. Um, Co-executive producer, director Brad Anderson, and co-executive producers Kathy Ling and Reed Shane. Uh, so there, there is a trailer for it. We are, there's a trailer. We definitely want to check that out. And so here's just a little premise. This action-packed police drama set 35 years in the future centers on around an unlikely partnership between a part machine cop and a part human robot. All right. So I play the trailer. Let's, let's check it out. Yeah. So 2048. Not. Could always be worse. MX! Commute diagnostic! Blood pressure's dropping. Carl Urban's blood apart. Cover us! We're leaving! Others have a statistical chance of surviving. I need to protect them. Come back here! Just got worse. Guy's been asleep for two years. He won't last. You just watch. Detective Kennex, I'm 785. I've been assigned to you. I'm not driving with one of those things. Like how you're not. Have you read Tilden's profile of you? Kennex should return to service. Never. Never? Wow, that's that's a long time. Kennex is suffering from depression and psychological rejection of his synthetic body parts. Synthetic calibration. Incomplete. Well, that last part is true. Since you were last here, MX partners have become mandatory. Black Market Medical. I am concerned, Detective. I will need to report what I saw. He fell? 
out of a moving car. Must be some kind of software issue. Gonna need a new one. Since we don't have any MXs available, the department's only cleared one model for active duty. John? Dorian? Dorian? John. That's one of the crazy ones. Rude? He's roadworthy. The idea behind the DRMs was to be as human as possible. And while he isn't crazy, there may be some bugs. <laughs> bugs? What kind of bugs? Why am I in this car with you? I'm required to ride with the synthetic. I'm not a huge fan of that term. Okay, that's enough, all right? Um, synthetic off. Synthetic off. Does that mean you want me to be quiet? Terrific. You put in a request for the Dorian. Why? The DRN is good for you. There are other ways, Detective. Those are the models that replace me. Intimidating. You're lucky I want to be a cop so bad. Update your files. Let's go. Get a lab box. Take a sample of his blood for analysis. Don't need a lab box. Just downloaded the information. You didn't answer my question. Why Dorian? Because he's special, just like you. You know what your problem is? You don't trust anyone. MX units are logic-based and rule-oriented. They have no true free will, and they are designed to feel nothing. I'm not like them. I can't say that I was born, but I was made to feel. And I do, as much as you. What is it? It's not a bomb. I'll lead you in. I do not advise that, sir. Let's go. Where's your MX? I'm off duty. Where's your human? Turn around. This whole thing's a setup. They're hitting us tonight. You're not like them. I should take that as a compliment. You should. Uh, I'm digging this. Carl Urban is a main player in this one. Yeah, I think that's quite a coup that they got him uh, to do this. I mean, uh, to do, I mean, he, he he's had a pretty successful movie career so far, and. And now they got him. Well, it's J.J. Abrams probably wrestled him into that after doing McCoy, right? Yeah. Um, but it, it, I think this is going to be. Uh, I'm really looking forward to this. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw a clip of Giancarlo Esposito, who we interviewed. He's also going to be in at least the opening one. That'll be good. Um, and uh, seems to be some fun dynamic between Carl Urban and this uh, synthetic that has some quirks about it. Yeah, the actors playing the synthetic. I saw him in Underworld uh, Awakening. Um, okay. He was a cop that was that was helping the uh, female vampire out. So, uh, so and that's Michael was it Ely, I guess it is from Sleeper Cell and Common Law. Yeah, but uh, no, I, I'll definitely be checking out the trailer. Yeah, um, it was uh, probably the first episode or so. Maybe. So, I mean, I mean the, the first. I mean the, the pilot. Yeah. Um, now I've heard some make some comparisons to that to iRobot. Um, I can see it, that there is an iRobot vibe to this. Yeah. Um, or uh, maybe a little bit of RoboCop, a little bit, mm-hmm. you know, but I think the setup's a little bit different. Um, mm-hmm. But I'm interested. I'm glad that we had this trailer, and it's... Like I said, I'll, I'm definitely there for I think there's a lot of potential to this. That's, I, that's I think all so, too. Yeah, definitely potential in this mm-hmm. one. Um, well, something else that uh, kind of hit us all by surprise was when Fox 
again, who's trying to boost the ratings back up, said, you know what? You know what we need? You know what we need, Miles? What do they need? We need more Jack Bauer. Oh, okay. We need more Jack Bauer, right? Mm-hmm. And so they said, you know what? 24 is returning to Fox for a 12-episode arc. Hmm. Now, wait. Let's think about this. I'm not a mathematician. Mm-hmm. 24 is called 24Y. Well, because I've never watched the show, but from what I understand, each episode takes place in a 24-hour period of time. They have a clock running. and So what happens at the end of 12? Episode 12. Mm-hmm. We only get half the season. Is that it? That, that's kind of a tease. Right, right. Unless they like make two hours and kind of compact it into <laughs> uh, like one-hour episode or something. I guess they have to see if this will work out. If uh... Yeah. Well, we'll see. We'll see. You know, Jack Bauer's... Anyways, here's the story. Jack Bauer is coming back. Fox executives said Monday that it's Drama 24 is returning next May. So we have a little bit over a year for a limited run that will stretch into the summer. The adventure series with Kiefer Sutherland starring as Jack Bauer ended its original run in 2010. Fox programming chief Kevin Riley said creators had been thinking about doing a movie with the original cast. But when Fox announced it was interested in doing a big event miniseries, they realized it was the perfect format. They always had this idea that maybe someday of doing a feature film, he said. I think they all, they all agreed 24 being compressed into two hours is not 24. So, yeah, but compressing 24 into 12 hours is 24 either, for that matter. Sure. Sutherland said he was excited to see his character return to TV. The response to 24 is unlike anything I've ever had experienced as an actor before, Sutherland said in a statement, to have the chance to reunite with the character Jack Bauer is like finding a lost friend. The story ideas from producer Howard Gorman are exciting and fresh and will not disappoint. Make no mistake. My goal is to knock your socks off. <laughs> so, I'm. Ex- you, you said you had not watched Twenty Four. No, that, correct. That's but true. I watched probably seven seasons of it. I never watched season eight. That was the Katie Sackhoff season. I never got a chance to see it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I was twenty four out at that point. But mm-hmm. I could be ready for it to come back. Um, a little bit leery on what they're going to do in a twelve episode arc, but. You never know. Maybe there'll be two-hour episodes. Well, uh, it, it will at least get view. I mean, I'm sure this is going to attract 24 fans. They're definitely going to. Uh, and there may be enough time. And if they have a shorter season, maybe it won't be as convoluted, and it'll be tighter writing, as you see with the shorter season. So doing right. really a BBC thing, right? Mm-hmm. Let's make a shorter season. Let's see how it runs. So I mean, Walking Dead does it, did it successfully. It works for them. Um, uh, Falling Skies does it. Mm-hmm. I'm game. Game for it. Why don't you tell us a little bit about NBC's Believe? So we have another J.J. Abrams. uh, Yeah, because he's just not doing enough. Go ahead. See, if he was focused more on Star Trek and not these TV shows, he could make more Star Trek. Right, right. You're you're just bitter because he's not making more Star Trek miles. Well, slightly. Well, so so let let us talk to you about about, about Believe. So Jake McLaughlin from Savages is set to star in Believe, NBC drama pilot for the J.J. Abrams Oscar-nominated filmmaker. Alfonso Cuaron. The high-concept project written by Cuaron and Mark Friedman is about the unlikely relationship between Bo, a girl in possession of great gift and powers, which will come into their own in seven years, and and, and, and Tate, the man who has sprung from prison to protect her from those trying to hurt her. We need to clarify that this is also a J.J. Uh, a movie uh, plot, as you said. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and so it's good. I mean, the idea is kind of there. I'm going to be honest. This doesn't grab me quite as much as... Almost human does. Oh, uh, yeah. So far, um, 
almost human. I'm definitely, you know. And I don't think we've had a trailer for this one yet. Mm -hmm. So uh, he's slacking. Star Trek is taking away too much of his time. And then there's Star Wars. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, there's Star Wars, too. Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, you found this next story. Why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, another another thing that's coming out from a a guy that uh, he's done a ton of stuff, but we know him probably best as. As as the original... um, 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 Daniel. Daniel Jackson, yes. Daniel Jackson. Go ahead. So I found this today. This is more spy-fi than sci-fi, but it looked interesting. So uh, James Spader is to star in NBC's spy drama The Blacklist. Um, after fielding multiple offers this pilot season, James Spader has been tapped to star in the network's psychological drama thriller The Blacklist. Hollywood Reporter has learned that the pilot revolves around uh, Raymond Red Reddington, the world's most wanted criminal, who mysteriously turns himself in and offers to give up everyone he has ever worked with. His only condition is he will only work with a newly minted FBI agent, Liz Keene, um, and played play by Megan Boone from Blue Bloods, with whom he seemingly has no connection. Spader will play a Red who is described as a dignified, worldly, and magnetic former Army intelligence officer who went AWOL. He just... He doesn't consider himself to be a spy, but instead a, a facilitator who, who brokers deals for criminals and has no allegation or, or no, no allegiance to any country or political agenda, only the highest bidder. Uh, 90210 grad uh, Ryan Eagle will portray Tom. This is easygoing husband and the emotional glue that holds the couple together who secretly has betrayed her. Uh, John Bokenkamp. Um, known for Perfect Stranger, will we'll pen the pilot for uh, Sony Pictures Television and executive producer uh, John Fox. On Jen, John Davis and, and John uh, Eisendrath from Alias, the latter will, will serve as, as a showrunner. And uh, we do have a trailer for uh, um, Blacklist. And I'm going to play that trailer. Let's see Daniel Jackson in action. Must be good to be home again, sir. Well, we'll see about that. Good afternoon. Here to see Assistant Director Harold Cooper. Tell him it's Raymond Reddington. have many questions so let's begin with the most important one why i'm here one man his name is ronco zamani you want him i want him so let's say our interests are aligned from this point forward there's one very important rule i speak only with elizabeth king who the hell's elizabeth king agent king donald wrestler they need you to come with me right away so can you tell us what's going on? Nothing. I have no history with Reddington. They tell me today's your first day as a profiler. Congratulations. Agent Keane, what a pleasure. Well, I'm here. Why involve me? I'm nobody. It's nothing special about me. Oh, I think you're very special. I'm going to make you famous, Lizzie. Within the hour, Ronco Zamani will abduct the daughter of U.S. General Daniel Riker. Don't be scared. I just need you to come with me. Do you want to call your daddy? Yeah, I want to tell him I'm okay. Okay. I'm 
I'm supposed to believe you. <laughs> no, of course not. <laughs> I'm a criminal. I told you Zumami would take the girl. This is in your hands now. I need your help. How about a trade? You won't find the girl until you learn to look at this differently. And how should I look at this? Shall I show you? Make it personal. So what does he desperately want? He wants revenge. Where is Zamani? If I tell you, you have to give me something in return. You think we're going to put you up at the Sheridan? <laughs> the Sheridan's not my scene. figure out my plan to take the general's daughter. What else do you know? It's gonna be okay. What the Don't play stupid. Your husband doesn't matter. Zamani did you a favor. You'll never know I hate you. No, you tell me how I find Zamani and make this right, or I let you die right here. Yeah. Just another day in the He's gone. He's on the move. Heading westbound. Zamani wants more than the general's daughter. Where are you? My friend. He's on his way. Can you stop the bomb? Wait, what are you doing? You're gonna make a great team. Well, this was fun. Let's do it again. Understand Zamani was only the first. The first what? Name on the list. What list? The list I've been cultivating for over 20 years. I'm talking about the criminals who matter. The ones you can't find because you don't even know they exist. Let's call it the blacklist. That sounds exciting. So, uh, what do you think of that? It's actually uh, pretty uh, intense. It, it is, and um, it, it's a very—you know, like I said, it's more spy-fi than sci-fi, but. Um, Looks like a lot of action. Familiar face there with um, Harry Lennox. He played yeah. Langdon from um, Dollhouse and absolutely. Commander Locke from um, uh, The Matrix 2 yeah, or 3. Yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. It's good to see him back. Mm-hmm. And good to see James Spader doing something like this again. He looks like he's having a ball. <laughs> he's- yeah, and he's just totally leading around by their nose. Mm-hmm. The entire thing. I'm really, I'm really looking forward to this. So this is, I mean, like I don't have enough TV to watch already, but I, I saw this trailer by Might accident. Throw it in, but I, I'm tempted to check it out when it comes out. Yeah, and uh, certainly he definitely knows more than what he's. He doesn't. He's definitely playing it. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. But uh, kind of interesting, interesting premise. I'm looking forward. I thought for uh, for a moment that um, that Ranko Usamani. The guy who was playing was Christopher Hyredall because it looks like it, but it's not. It's Jamie Jackson. Okay. So I did I did do a quick look in that because I thought, ah, oh, he looks like Christopher Hyredall. I, you know, I don't know what Hyredall is doing anymore, but mm-hmm. but that would be uh, be good. But well, let's move into some movie news. Unless you have anything more you want to say about Blacklist? No, I think uh, I think so I'm looking enough, forward yeah. to so an mm-hmm. NBC show, right? It's NBC show. Yeah. So yep. Mm-hmm. Let's move into some movie news. We have two pieces of movie news. One is we got an Ender's Game trailer that we are absolutely stoked about, right? Right. 
And you watched this? I did. I was like, wow, this is pretty cool. Yeah. Did you ever read the book? No, I'm not familiar with the book. Oh, well, let's let's see. Uh, people are kind of um, mixed about the trailer, saying some people have high hopes for it, saying, oh, kind of aligns to it. Some people don't view Harrison Ford as being maybe the best fit and to do the best uh, voiceover work. Okay. But uh, it's hard to tell at this point mm-hmm. how this is going to play out. But um, this has – and someone else said, we aren't giving Orson Scott Carter another piece of our damn money. Yeah, I think they're wow. pretty strong about it. I mm-hmm. mean – I guess Orson Scott Card can be kind of a prick sometimes. Interesting. Yeah, that's that, that's from what I heard. Mm-hmm. But for me, I kind of separate. I mean, I'm sure all our authors are personalities, and some authors we really like, uh, and other authors we're not as fond of. It doesn't mean that we don't enjoy the work, right? I, I mean, some of the uh, authors that I may not want to hang out with or have dinner with still write good books. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, let's play the Ender's Game, game trailer and talk a little bit about it, and uh, we'll go from there. They know our strategies. They've learned our weaknesses. And the alien attack nearly destroyed us. That must never be allowed to happen again. If we're going to survive, we need a new kind of soldier. One who doesn't think the way we think. Fear the things we fear. One the enemy would never expect. We need minds like yours, Ender. You'll be the finest commander we've ever trained. So I'm not the first. No. But you will be the last. From what I remember of the book, this seems to be playing pretty closely to it. Mm-hmm. I mean, what can you tell from a minute and a half trailer? Seriously. Right. Uh, but what grabbed you in this trailer? Um, Harrison Ford did it first. I mean, like, oh, cool. They have Harrison Ford. I mean, that's not a small coup there to get him. And um, Ben Kingsley. Ben Kingsley. I'm glad to see him doing some more stuff. Um, it looks very action-packed. Um I, I'm definitely, you know, this is something I might see at the theaters. Yeah, I could potentially see it in theaters. I have a feeling with the way my life is going, it's going to be a rental. Mm-hmm. Do we know when this is out? It probably said, and I didn't even pay attention to I it. I did not get the date. There was a date for it mm-hmm. I didn't look for. But I'm looking, you know, I'm looking forward to this movie. I've been looking forward to this movie for 10 years, mm-hmm. but not enough to say I've got to see this in theaters. Maybe I need another trailer or two to convince me. Mm-hmm. Um, and it will go from there, but... Yeah, I didn't. Uh, I'm looking, trying to look at the 
the video. I don't see when it's supposed to come out. Oh, well. I, I would assume it's, it's it's definitely after the summer. I would I would suspect. I would say it's not a summer movie. But no, uh, uh, Paramount. Is out to prove that its zombie uh, f- uh, flick World War Z doesn't stink. <laughs> so uh, there, that's, there's that. Mm-hmm. Summer 2013 has many budget-busting blockbusters, but also problems that have plagued some during the pre-production, filming, and post-production. Not since John Carter and Battleship has a big-budget movie received more advanced negative press... That's not good. For production woes in World War Z. And Mark Forster... Fall- Forster, a directed adaptation of Max Brooks' zombie apocalypse novel that stars is produced, uh, stars and is produced by Brad Pitt. Um, this person was shown the movie, but not in the 3D format, weeks before its June 21st release. And each time, the response from ABC Insiders was a version of, well, just how bad is it? <laughs> Paramount, with these select screenings, has just begun the daunting campaign of rehabilitating the film's battered image. According to Vice Chairman Rob Moore, the studio spent 15 to $20 million in 25 shooting days to make World War Z significantly better. Yet the reward has been a worse advanced buzz that if Paramount had kept its wallet shut and quietly released the inferior original. Um... Is World War Z better than good? Try a rocking, smart, pulse-pounding, big-scale pandemic with raging zombies, palpable tension, and the kind of hero star turned pit hasn't performed in a long time. Um, so, wow, yeah, I, you know, this is a movie that I've been hearing about for a long time. We've been hearing about it for a long time, and I'm kind of looking forward to it. Maybe not seeing it in theaters, but renting it certainly. Sure, I still may. I was thinking that too. But it's Brad Pitt. I like Brad Pitt in a lot of this stuff. Well. Yeah, and you know, a, a zombie. You know, who doesn't love a zombie apocalypse movie? I know. You know, good or bad. I mean, you know, even a bad zombie apocalypse movie can be good. Yeah, and would have liked it just because Brad Pitt's probably shirtless somewhere in it. If you say, yeah, well, no, I, we got to get M's comments on that. She's not here to talk, but I'm talking for her. Oh, well, I, I'm spe- sure. I speak for the M. So, no. so, it, so, yeah. I mean, I wonder if, if if he's somebody on her list who who can yeah maybe sure, pull it off. Sure, but, it's optional. Um, hard to tell, but this is what they're the advanced screens don't seem to be weighing positive. We'll see what the critics actually mm-hmm. pull out of this. But you know, John Carter, I enjoyed. Mm-hmm. Maybe not the best movie out there, but I enjoyed it. It was a fun movie. I, I intend to go see it. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and yeah. Battleship, I intend. You know, th- I just saw it. yeah. So that's good. Mm-hmm. Good. A tall glass of Romulan ale. Miles is serving up the latest in Trek news on This Week in Star Trek. Well, so this week in Star Trek, um, we have uh, these, these nifty uh, Star Trek debit cards. 
And definitely, these are kind of collector items, right? Uh, definitely. Definitely. So, so, so Card.com has launched the first official Star Trek Visa prepaid cards. First ever, mind you. Mm-hmm. Uh, into orbit with help from StarTrek.com. We thought you, you and your readers would be the very first card-carrying members of Starfleet. We would love it if you blog about this card and spread the word. These debit cards are issued from, from, from bank, not gift cards, so you can use them any, everywhere. Visa is accepted. Want to flaunt a Federation Visa? Uh, Captain Kirk or a Spock visa, we have them all. There is no credit check, no cost to get one, and you should get approved for in seconds. And uh, we'll put the, the website where you can uh, get one. Right. Out. What's cool about this, this is original series, it looks like, doesn't it? Yeah. If you're a classic Trek fan, then this is the d- debit card for you. Can you imagine? Nothing says geek better than whipping out. Your, your Spock visa card. You're showing the world, you know, this is what you are. This is mm-hmm. certainly a, mm-hmm. a badge of honor and um, some great classic Kirk poses, classic Spock poses, the the emblem. You actually need you need one of each of these, Miles. Yeah, I you know, I have a birthday coming up, so. Yeah, maybe maybe mm-hmm. one of those would be there. Yeah, I'll, I'll be happy with one, yeah. Right, right. Well, let's uh, briefly talk about maybe some of the, what's considered some of the biggest 10 most missed opportunities in Star Trek. Uh, yeah. So let's uh, see what they have here. Do you want me to, let me take the, uh, I'll take the evens. You can take the odds. And um, and they actually start with the top one. We'll start with one and work our way down to 10. So go ahead, take number one. Okay. One, Are you on the site? I'm just waiting for it to, to come right up. Okay, that's because I'm on the site. I'm bogging down the interweb. The, the, the bandwidth is uh, All right. being... You there? Number one. Okay. Um, Not having, and hopefully I'm pronouncing his name right, Toshiro Mufini play a Klingon. No clue whether Star Trek Planet of the Titans would have been great or awful, but the thought of Toshiro Mufini as a Klingon is too exhilarating for words. Titans was a Star Trek movie they were trying to make in 76 and 70 through 77, and Phil Coffin, Evasion of the Body Snatchers, Right Stuff, uh, was, was on board to direct. Coffin, who also wrote one script draft, wanted to make something cerebral and a little trippy. This was the era between 2001 Star Wars, after all, and he wanted the focus to be on Spock versus a Klingon played by the uh, Rashomon star. Yeah. So uh, never went off the never got off. And did, did you did you hear about this movie? I I did. I was reading Robert Greenberger's book, and after reading that concept, I'm actually glad that didn't take off. It did. I, I don't think that would have worked. So you don't think this really was a missed opportunity? No, not, not, not at all. Not, 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 not at all. <laughs> I mean, the actor might have been good, but the con- the story, uh, the, the story wouldn't. I, I think it would have turned off. Too many fans. It would just it would have been too out there. Well, the number two was not going with the original plans for Star Trek Three. According to Burnett, the original story treatment for Star Trek Three was more serious and thought provoking, and wouldn't have screwed up the Klingons. Producer Harb Bennett's original treatment features Romulans instead of Klingons who arrive with their cloaking bird of prey to investigate the Genesis planet, which has appeared out of nowhere. And because the planet is littered with dilithium crystals, they set up a mining operation until they start getting picked off one by one by a feral Spock, whose aging is tied to the planet's. Meanwhile, Vulcan is so horrified to discover that the Federation has created such a terrible weapon as a genesis device that the Vulcans want to succeed from the Federation. Kirk has to go to Vulcan with the crew of the Enterprise to face an angry Vulcan. Uh, Burnett feels like this would have been a more serious, perilous, and above all epic story, and it would have featured a Romulan commander along the lines 
of the thoughtful antagonist from the original Romulan story, Balance of Terror. This would have been a much better film and might have elevated the franchise to a new level instead of the more pedestrian Star Trek III, which, among other things, redefines the Klingons as over-the-top cartoons influenced by the portrayal for years afterwards. Hmm. What do you think of this? I, I think it would have been interesting... There is a lot that interests me. I mean, I heard that the original concept was it would have been Romulans that would have been the you know the, the main bad guys in this film, and it was just supposed to be a Romulan bird of prey. But I like Star Trek Three. I like the character moments between our heroes. I think all, all of this, it, it, it's it, all this extra stuff. It's, it sounds delicious, but it might have upstaged or would have taken away from. Um, some of the character uh, moments with uh, with our heroes, and so you know you can't you can't do everything. Yeah, you can, and you can't do it over. It might have been an interesting concept, but yeah. I don't know. You can only do so much, and so um, yeah, that's 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 where I I leave it at. And what about number three? Okay, number three, we have uh, not having Eddie Murphy in Star Trek uh, Four. Back in the mid-'80s, Eddie Murphy was on top of the world, having just starred in, in Beverly Hills Cop. And he was very seriously in talks to play a major supporting role in, in Trek Four, the one where Kirk and his crew go back to present-day Enterprise to look for whales. This was when Eddie Murphy was at the top of his game, and he probably would have added a serious comedic spark to the funniest of the Trek films. This came pretty close to happening and then fell through at least the last minute. So Murphy could go off and do The Golden Child. Instead, says Pascal. Sigh. So I, Eddie Murphy would have been too much. See, I think I, I agree. I think you know it would have taken. I mean, I think it would take away screen time from the other actors, and um, he would just be over the top. Because Star Trek's really always been about the ensemble cast, and Eddie Murphy yeah. really isn't an ensemble no, cast person. No, he's not, and. Um, um, I, I think the actress who, who played uh, the, the, the cetacean biologist uh, who, who he had interviewed, I think she was um, Catherine Hicks. Um, I think she was the right balance and kind of gave a little nice little, even though it was shortly lived romance between her and Kirk. Right. Um, I, I, I think Star Trek IV was, was a fantastic film the way it was. So I, I don't see this as a missed opportunity. Right. How about this? Number four, not replacing Will Riker with his transporter duplicate, Tom Riker. Remember that episode where Riker meets his transporter twin who's still in love with Deanna, Troy, and, the, and, and is less of a swaggering smirk face? This was right around the time when Riker and TNG in general really needed a change. And they came very close to killing off Will Riker and replacing him permanently with Tom Riker. Data would have become the first officer, and Tom Riker would have taken less of a senior position on the bridge because his rank was lower. This would have been a fascinating change, allowing the show to explore the cast dynamics as a whole new way, but without major cast changes or alterations too jarring for the casual viewers to roll with. And they needn't have killed off Will Riker. They could have just finally given him a ship to command, which he's overdue for. But in the end, they skipped this idea. See, I think this actually would have been a good idea. I... I, um I and lots of other Star Trek fans love the Tom, Thomas Riker character, and we're you know we only got one episode of TNG and one episode of um, of Deep Space Nine, and uh, I, I, th- I I agree this is a missed opportunity. I think Riker being the first officer for all those years kind of stretches be- believability a little. Um, maybe get, you know 
you know, giving him a ship. I mean, it, you know, the, the way they presented it sounds great. I mean, um, Jonathan Frakes still would have had his job. It's just that he would be playing playing a different character. I right. Mean, right. So I, I agree. This 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 is a missed opportunity. All right. How about number five? Okay. Number five is not giving a proper Kirk Picard beam up, uh, team up. Uh, Star Trek Generations easily counts as one of the great missed opportunities in the series history. You already have William Shatner on board to be in your film, along with a few of the other TOS actors. Why not make it a proper passing of the torch and meaning of the captains and their elements? Why not build a story around the differences between the two Enterprises, crew, and captains? If they had not given us something as good as TNG episode replicas, which Scotty has rescued, Generations would have been a moving film. Not saying that we wanted a fan service or, 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 or sop to those who wanted to see Picard battle Kirk, just that we deserve a good story, which Kirk's return is an important but not incidental part of the narrative. If you don't have any ideas for how to use Kirk properly, well, they just don't clue him at all. Um, so I... I agree with that. I, I I like Generations, but afterwards I was thinking, as far as just how they used Picard and Kirk together, it's like it was just okay. Um, it could have been better. That's you know, I mean, some people pan some some of Star Trek movies. I'll just use it say, say after I see it, interesting, but it could have been better. And this is definitely one where I think you think it could have been better. Absolutely. And I enjoyed it. I enjoyed all the Trek movies, but this is one that you I uh, think could have been pushed out a little bit further. The, 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 there was not enough Kirk Picard time, and I think I think I think the article is right. There should have been a, a better team up. Yeah. Number six, not giving us the Captain Sulu TV show we all really wanted. Pretty much from the moment Sulu got his own command in Star Trek Six, actor George Takai, is I'm pronouncing that right? Takei. No, it, it's Takai because it rhymes with uh, William Shatner's toupee. Right, right, right. And many of the fans were clamoring for Captain Sulu's TV show. Maybe this was never a serious possibility, but damn it, the show is about Sulu and the crew of the Excelsior could have been so good. With lots of crazy starship battles and exploration of a proper continuation of the 1980s film series. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, this is definitely a missed opportunity, and I know that George Takei would have jumped at the chance to, you know, do a TV series. And I think a lot of fans would have loved to have seen a Trek movie era um, TV series. Uh, I've heard maybe some of the objections to that were maybe George Takei's age, um, but the man. The man's almost eighty years old, and and he ta- you know he takes excellent care of himself. He was a, you know like you, he's a marathon runner, um, and they could have had a good ensemble cast. So yeah, um, I, I agree that this 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 was a, a missed opportunity. Uh, you go ahead, number seven. Number seven, not having Tom Hanks star in Star Trek: First Contact. For a while, the, the You've Got Mail star was in talks to play the key role of Zephyrin Cochran, inventor of the warp drive in this time-traveling Borg movie. Hanks might as well have brought an extra layer of charm to the role, which was finally played by the most excellent James Cromwell instead. Plus, Hanks actually sort of looked like a Glenn uh, Corbett, who played the role in television. In any case, if Hanks had joined First Contact cast, uh, Pas- Pascal believes this could have massively increased the film's box office and cemented trick status as a pop culture juggernaut. Tom Hanks. You know what? I I thought James Cromwell's performance as... as, as I liked him. As Cochran was excellent. He's eccentric. He's kind of... Yeah, he's kind of, he kind of need this. Um, I, you know what? I almost feel if you have too many... 
I don't know, too, ma- too many really, I mean, he was a heavy hitter box office star at the time. I don't know, it just almost upstages, the, it, 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 it's more about him than, than the Star Trek, the story in Star Trek. So, yeah. Um, so, no, I, I, I can't agree. That's a missed opportunity. Yeah. Number eight, not taking the premise of Star Trek Voyager seriously. The Star Trek Voyager had a really simple but fascinating premise a starship cut off from the rest of the Federation, forced to survive on its own for years or decades. And some of the crew members are already people who rebelled against the Federation. Sadly, the show's creators didn't want to invest in this premise, including basically things like running out of photon torpedoes or being unable to make some repairs. And they were allergic to any real conflict among the characters. Most notably, when Deep Space Nine ended, Rondi Moore joined the writing staff. Moore pushed for a slightly more realism in the depiction of life on the other side of the galaxy and wound up having to leave the show just after one episode. I I agree with this. A lot of Voyager fans agree with it. Um, so much as we love Star Trek Voyager, uh, there's things that... Shows like Battlestar Galactica and Stargate Universe did right. I mean, as far as to create drama, I mean, you had real conflict between your characters. Uh, the ships um, would um, look like they've, they've been through the wars. Voyager always looked like it just came off the assembly line. Uh, they always seem like they hit the reset button after a very devastating battle or something. So you need something much more early, like Star Wars gives you, like weathered ships and beaten over time, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Voyager should have shown the, um, you know, that, that, that had been through the wars. Uh, the episode, the, the two-part episode, um, Year of Hell, um, I mean, it was a great episode. A lot, lot of, you know, a lot of drama, and you saw Voyager just get the crap kicked out of it, and but at the end, they just hit the reset button, right? And so, so yeah, that's that that that's a frustration with a lot of Star Trek fans. Is Voyager? Some have said never really did live up to its premise. What about number nine? No fifth season of Enterprise. The Star Trek prequel was the first Trek show to get less than seven seasons since the original series, and it ended just when the show was getting good, says Pascal. At long last, Enterprise has stopped getting mirrored in terrible Cold War shenanigans and had started exploring the origins of Federation. New showrunner Manny Kuto had tons of great ideas for building on the Trek legacy, which we would have seen if the show had lasted it one more year. But it was too late. The show had already lost too many viewers by the time Kuto started turning the ship around. So too little, too late. I, I I agree. I mean, uh, uh, Coda was a genius when 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 they gave him the reins. Season four was this is w- w- this is what Star Trek fans had wanted Enterprise all along. Now there's been talk that Netflix, there's a you know this is a, a possibility that th- there was any inter- idea of maybe they could do a fifth season of Enterprise. Um, and I've heard some of the podcasts talk about. Do we want a fifth season of Enterprise now? It's been almost ten years since it went off the air. The actors, you know, have shown, you know, they're a little older now. They would have to fast forward it years if they do it. I would, you know, it, it, I, I'm clamoring for any Star Trek show to come back to a small screen. So if it would be Enterprise, I wouldn't complain. Yeah. Um, well, how about this one at number 10? No Star Trek Federation. Star Trek needed a long rest after Enterprise went off the air. From, 2000, from 1986 to 2005, the series had constantly been on television. 
and at the movies, not to mention tons of games. But Trek really needs a new TV show now, especially one that goes further into the future and starts exploring the big questions again. And Brian Singer toyed with the idea of pitching a brand new Trek show during the making of Superman Returns with input from Burnett and Jeffrey Thorne. You can read tons of details here, but in a nutshell, Federation would have taken place in the far future after the Federation had become fat and happy and needs a new Enterprise and a new Kirk to inspire it. And meanwhile, the brand new threat called the Scourge threatens to destroy everything humanity has built. It definitely sounds like the sort of thing that can make Trek exciting and thought-provoking again. And Pascal points out that there are tons of other TV show pitches sitting in drawers waiting for someone at CBS to be willing to pick up the phone. Maybe after this next movie, we'll finally get to see some new Trek on the small screen. I'm doubting it. Uh, yeah, I think it'll probably be... We need to get the third J.J. movie out of the way, mm-hmm. and then uh, maybe. Yeah, I, I think that, that after the 50-year anniversary of, of Trek, I, I could see it coming back to small screen. Uh, I think the problem with, with, with the relationship... you know, it, Star Trek has two separate properties. There's Paramount and there's CBS. Um, and it, try, trying to work that out... It, it, I mean, I, I thought after 2009, with, with the success of the, that film, it, we would have seen a new series come, but it's been four years now. Yeah. So I, I think— And it, no real talk. N- no. And you know when that talks, when it, when talks start happening, fans will be a buzz. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, we want another piece of Trek news. We before, do. We do. And so that took a little bit long, but I was fun to discussing kind of those concepts. I like those proof of the ideas of what could have been. Oh, I, I, that was a very fun article. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so why don't you tell us a little bit about this next commercial that we're going to well, delve into? We put this on our Facebook page, and it's a, a Audi commercial with uh, Zachary Quinto and uh, Leonard Nimoy. And um, basically, you see them. Sort of just in competition, and it seems that Quinto is getting one over uh, Leonard Nimoy. But wait till the end; we'll, we'll play. We'll play it for you. Yeah, yeah, and it's absolutely quite fun. Hello, check, <laughs> check, and meet my young friend. How about another challenge? You want to play a round of golf at the club and get some lunch? Whoever gets to the club last buys lunch. Stand by to have your wallet emptied by a tractor beam. (laughs) Anything's possible, but probably not that. in the land of Shire, there's a brave little hobbit we all admire. Long wooden pipe, fuzzy woolen toes. Lives in a hobbit hole and everybody knows him. Bilbo. Bilbo Baggins, the bravest little hobbit of them all. Yeah. Go, Bilbo! 
Call Leonard. Go. Hey, where are you? Use your sensors. <laughs> no need. I'm already here. You're there already? I feel like I'm stuck in a black hole. No worries. I can practice my swing if you need to pull over and take a nap. Smart ass. I had to. Nice try. You no, wish. no, no. I definitely had Not you. for a second. Obviously, you're buying lunch. Technically, we're not inside yet. I'll see you inside. You know, there are so many bones that they throw out to people that are fans. Oh, if you're a fanboy, this is uh, this is fantastic stuff. <laughs> yeah, the whole uh, sleeper move. <laughs> yeah, at, at the end, yeah, let, let, Leonard Nimoy gets the last one in. I mean, yeah. uh, I mean Zachary Quinto comes up in his new um, fancy schmancy Audi, and uh, Leonard Nimoy comes in his uh, Mercedes. Mercedes, and, and he, you should always. Be and forever will be my friend. Right, a, a classic line, mm-hmm. you know, and the uh, and the whole Bill O'Baggins song. Right, <laughs> hilarious. Oh, this was good stuff. Did uh, you notice the lens flare over the Audi? Oh, I, I didn't see they're, that. They're, they, they're using some lens flare in there, and mm-hmm. <laughs> so it was. It was just very well done. And, oh yeah. Uh, um, just the warp drive, the the, the music, the mm-hmm. grandioseness of it, uh, well worth. We will we will embed this this trailer because you got to see it. We'll put a link to it if you have not seen it yet. You got to check it out because it's absolutely hilarious. Yeah, Zach. Obviously, Quinto and Nimoy, you know, like each other and can have fun doing this. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, in the spirit of Trek, mm-hmm. let's talk about Colin's podcast, Trek News and Views. Still put still putting them out. Colin still. Yes, uh, he still does an episode. His podcast is part of the, the uh, Trek FM family, um, and uh, I've had the opportunity to be there a couple times. I'll probably be on there again, not too distant future. We talked about an idea we have for a podcast. Oh, very good. Mm-hmm. So, uh, anyways, here's a promo for Trek News and Views on the FM Trek FM uh, station, right? Mm-hmm. And I uh, hope you enjoy. Have a thought to yourself. I'd like to listen to a Star Trek podcast. That's I'm ready to irradiate your existing brain cells. Oh, how about one with an English host? Gray Hot. Or a news section? Accessing library computer data. Or one that can help you navigate for the latest Star Trek news. Can anyone remember when we used to be explorers? Well, not quite. But Trek News and Views will bring you the latest news with either review or discussion from a wide variety of co-hosts. Oh my... Don't accept anything less. And you people, you're all astronauts on some kind of Star Trek. Trek News and Views. iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and on the Trek FM website. Other similar podcasts are but to be discouraged.
ready for dessert. Sci-Fi 5 and 5, where we bring you the top five, the worst five, of anything in science fiction or fantasy. In five minutes or less. So, for our Sci-Fi 5 and 5 tonight, Mm -hmm. um, let's chat. Uh, what are we talking about? Uh, we, we, some shows that we think in the fall have a good chance of making it. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so these are the shows that we think we're going to give reasons for it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, we have a wild card, a wild card that will give it the very end. Miles, mm-hmm. you're in charge of the wild card. Okay. Um, and I will take, I'll take the, uh, I'll take the, I'll start and we'll just take every other one. And why we like them here. Mm-hmm. So, um, and these aren't in any particular order, but I think one that we're all kind of anticipating is Shield, right? Absolutely. And um, and the reason that we're anticipating Shield as being one that's going to have staying power is why it has Joss Whedon um, name and his influence um, attached to it, especially after Avengers, right? Mm-hmm. And we haven't had a real good serious Marvel superhero one like this in a long time. Right. We have Arrow, which is very serious and doing very well, mm-hmm. but. Nothing like Shield will be. Sure. Someone yeah. comment. I saw someone commenting. This is kind of like Torchwood. Well, maybe, but I do like this idea. Mm-hmm. The idea. Yeah, I, I, I'm. I'm in 100 percent agreement. I think this will. This will do well when it comes out. Our number four pick. Um, another one is almost human. Um, it's a. It's the one with. Um, uh, Carl Urban uh, starring in. So if Carl Urban is not reason enough, the main reason that we like this show's prospects are why? Well, it has J.J.'s name attached to it. J.J. Abrams' name attached to it, and mm-hmm. you really can't argue too much with J.J. Abram, mm-hmm. right? He seems to be the guy, he seems to be the man at everything right now with Star Wars, Fringe, mm-hmm. Lost. I mean, he has a ton of things that are backing him. Uh, Revolution is, it, you know, we've, we've deba- you know, debated whether it's lasting power, but it's getting a second season. That, that has his name on it, too. Yeah, uh, very good. And um, our number three, also JJ, is Believe. This is a whole convict gets out of prison and kind of protects this young girl type thing. Mm-hmm. Um, we aren't, probably of the five that we're mentioning here, this is the one that has the least interest to me, but may have the most staying power because of the audience that it could attract. And again, the fact that JJ is lending his name to it. And there's always... The mis- there's always a mystery that has to be solved in the middle of this. It has a fantasy element, and, and, and shows that have that fantasy element are really hot right now. Yeah, so mm-hmm. let's see what it goes. How about this next one? Uh, Helix, uh, uh, this is um, th- this has uh, Ron Moore's name attached to it. And another person that we like, Battlestar Galactica fame, right. and mm-hmm. um, of course, Star Trek fame. And mm-hmm. so we're looking for a new show for him, and has the potential... This isn't his only show, but this is one of the shows that we're looking forward to. Right. It will be on a sci-fi channel. Yeah, but so we're looking forward to that coming out. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, the another one, this is uh, maybe our number one, so to say, again, not in any order, Sleepy Hollow. And um, you may not think that we like this, but this has, a roundabout way, has a little bit of J.J. influencing it, mm-hmm. um, directed by Len Weissman from Underworld. We like Underworld. And produced by Fringe co-creators Alec Kurtzman. And Robert Orsi, who are also attached to Star Trek. Star Trek. Right. So we kind of like the prospects for this to follow where you follow the legend of Sleepy Hollow mm-hmm. and uh, Ichabod Crane through his adventures. Um, not a show that I might be watching, but I think it has good staying power because this kind of a, has a feel of Vampire Diaries, maybe a little bit of uh, Walking Dead, maybe a little bit of True Blood, but not the Showtime end of things. Mm-hmm. I don't know. We'll see. 
And um, and we do have a wild card. What's our wild card? Oh, I just discovered this this evening. It's about time. It's about it's a time travel story, right? And um, about this this family that the men, the family, have this ability to tra- travel back in time. And I was watching the trailer a little bit, and the father is telling his son about their abilities, and he's warning you know just just be careful about you know. The butterfly effect is real. I mean, so be careful how you, you you use this gift. Time travel can get messy, and you know, and and um, and it's hard to pull off good time travel consistently. Having that be the premise of the show, continuing works, but not because it's more of a device than it is the actual vehicle for the entire show. Yes. and it sounds like this one is going to be more vehicle. I, I, I would suspect so. We're, I'm yeah. guessing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but these are the picks that we have. Our top five picks for this coming fall season are within that range and shows that we're looking forward to. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And Blacklist might be on that after seeing that trailer, but it, it didn't make it. But I think that is about it, Miles. We have to get out of here. What, right. One thing I want to say before we – I'm going to play a song at the very end of the show after M kind of pulls us out, uh, gives us the, uh, the rap that we do. Um, and Major Tom was covered by – the David Bowie song was covered by one of the astronauts. I'm going, oh, to play, okay. I'm going to play him covering that. So kind of fun to hit YouTube and it was quite the sensation. So make sure you stay tuned for that. Remember, we have an interview coming in from Strange – frame. Mm-hmm. So some an animation will bring that in our part B of this episode 172. Till next time, good night and good luck. We will see ya. Thank you so much for visiting the Sci-Fi Diner. We hope you enjoyed the food and the service and the conversations. If you'd like to share your thoughts regarding what we've talked about or tell us what you're watching or reading, flip open your communicators and contact us at 1-888- 508-4343 or click the SpeakPipe link at scifidinerpodcast.com or send an mp3 or typed email to scifidinerpodcast at gmail.com You can also join the conversation on our Facebook fan page at facebook.com slash diner. We'll share your thoughts on our listener feedback show. If you'd like to support the diner beyond the conversation, you can always throw some coins in the tip jar at scifidinerpodcast.com. Control to Major Tom Ground Control to Major Tom Lock your Soyuz hatch and put your helmet on 
hotel Ground control to Major Tom Commencing countdown engines on Detach from station and may God's love be with you This is ground control to Major Tom 